Hey guys, it's episode 31 of Biomast. Welcome to the show tonight. Uh, we are on at a little bit of an odd time, so may not catch a whole lot of you on the live stream. We're going to be, uh, we're doing this on Saturday night, not Sunday. Kind of our, our, our normal, usual usual thing every week. We try to sh- shake it up and keep everybody guessing, frankly, to include each other. Um, so tonight, it'll be a little bit of a compact show. We've got a uh, couple, couple of our usuals on. Uh, so with that, we're going to go ahead and get started and kick off with some uh, some intros. Ironwolf? Hello, this is Ironwolf Saber. I'm the ACP-1 Secretary, and um, nice to meet you all. Word. Okay, Pokey? I'm Pokey Draven, CEO of OSG Planetary Operations and co-host here on Biomast. Zell? Uh, Sarai Zell, member of CPM1, co-host here on Biomast, and a leader of the Top Man Alliance. Cool. All right. And I'm Jason Larrison. I'm a member of OSG on the dust side, and I fly for uh, Agony on the uh, EVE side. So uh, we'll, there's there's no lack of topics tonight, guys. So uh, kind of what I'd like to kind of kick around, if that's kind of cool with you guys, is some of the more recent stuff. Um a little bit of discussion on maybe using some existing assets in the game to generate some racial heavy weapons and some things like that to round out some of the weapon and module lines. Um, literally some of the things that have been floated here in the, in the feedback threads by the uh, by uh, uh, CCP Rattati here recently. Uh, I would like to uh, just kind of briefly get your guys' impression of how we think the Apex suits are doing and uh, a little, little bit more about how the, the burgeoning BPO slash Aurum push is, is uh, going for CCP. Uh, and maybe we can kick around some ideas about uh, the infamous bandwidth topic, uh, which I know I missed last week, but uh, that's one of the ones that is um, of of critical interest to a lot of folks that uh, that actually run some support play. So, uh, with that, uh, briefly, what we had is a thread from uh, CCP Ritati where he talked a little bit about using existing assets in games. So, for example, uh, the HMG and using that model maybe putting some different colors on it and changing some um, weapon effects, things like that, to create a new racial heavy weapon. Um, so, that, and that's just an example. He didn't specifically lay that one out, but just to kind of tee it up. I, for one, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I, I think it's awesome because you can actually work the mechanics of things and you can work balancing and it gives you a lot a lot of different player options. And I, I would totally be okay with... Um, you know, like an Amara heavy laser or some kind of Glinte heavy blaster, you know, something along those lines. So I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic idea, uh, and it's one that I'm glad that they're exploring. Uh, just kind of open it up to you guys. Well, I think the AV uh, market right now is heavily dominated by anti-armor weapons. I mean, pretty much all of them are anti-armor, save the, uh, the plasma cannon, obviously. So I think um, something that's... Uh, laser focus would be great, particularly one that can be used against aerial targets. Focus. Very aptly. Laser focus. Very aptly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it had to be brought up. You, you see what I did there. But uh, something that can be used against aerial vehicles pretty easily. Um, like I, I think using the, the laser rifle would be pretty pretty legit because, like I said, it, it's heavily uh, uh, anti-armor dominated in terms of, of available AV weapons. And I think we definitely need to push to have a more balanced approach to it because right now it's it's a little ridiculous on how hard it is to do an armor tanked vehicle opposed to a shield tank vehicle simply because of the damage profiles. So I'd, I'd be definitely open to exploring options for different uh, damage profile AV weapons. Light and heavy, by the way. I, I think we definitely need more light AV weapons as well as the heavy ones, just because it's uh, a bit lacking and I find it difficult for some roles. I think 
would benefit from having more options available in terms of weapons, particularly the Amar, which kind of gets screwed in, in terms of uh, only really having two light weapons and no heavy weapons and a single light weapon. So, or a sidearm, I'm sorry. So okay. I think opening that up is going to be really good for a lot of those races. That's pretty legit. What do you think, Iron Wolf? There's definitely plenty of room in terms of what we can play with stat-wise, but it's just more of a question, can we make this function or look right in the game? Because it's going to look really odd when you have an HMG shooting up uh, mass driver shells. No, I, I, off the top of my head, um, what I thought was you could probably take a forge gun model and put a lot of gold on it and then just have a big yellow beam come out of it, you know, not unlike the laser rifle now. Yeah, I mean, the Fortune's uh, got a kind of generic model. I think it'd be hard to use the HMG model for other weapons. I, I, think, I think you would have to, use, for the HMG, that's really the one that you would you could go with the Galente. I would just give it a real shiny green and silver paint job, no rust, and, you know, change the color of the shit coming out of the barrel. And I think you're, really what you're talking about is changing the damage profile on it. Is What you're really doing is there's some cosmetic stuff, but it's really changing the damage profile of the HMG. Uh, we, now, that's just, like I said, that's the really quick and dirty way to do it is kind of how I was approaching. What's the, the easiest way to get to an initial foray into racial heavy weapons for all four races? You can even approach it from a more uh, EVE standpoint that it's actually an ammo type swap opposed to an entirely different weapon where you're, put, you're loading in a different type of ammunition that ultimately changes the damage profile and that way you're not really getting weird with colors and animations and whatnot it just you know it does this instead and i mean the you know the muzzle flash can be a different color if you want to go that way but it it's a little more of a you know in terms of lore a little more believable rather than you know like iron wolf said shooting mass driver shells and it would look really strange i think Jill, any thoughts um i'm I'm iffy on it. I, I kind of I kind of want to see like actual models of things, but um you know it, it if it's gonna contribute enough to the gameplay, it's it's worth it. Well, I would let me let me throw this at you. If you went with using existing models, uh, and then you got all the spreadsheet numbers dialed in, all the mechanics of like how you want it to function, like if it's got a different firing style or whatever, um. If you get all that in, then down the road, like if lightning strikes and leprechauns like start farting rainbows and whatever, and they generate un, like a more serious actual patch for dust uh, where they they actually add assets, it would be a pretty easy thing at that point to swap the the new asset and some new animations in and use all the existing you know, the balanced, the quote-unquote balanced weapon already. That way you're not kind of going through the trauma of doing all that at one time, trying to figure out the balance of the weapon. You know, you're literally just working the cosmetics of it at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just, I would offer that people are still beefing about the four rifles and they've been in the game forever. I guess it kind of comes down to what CCP's commitment, their willingness to actually add additional assets later down the line if, if they go that route. Because, I mean, like you said, it's I totally agree that it'd be good to get the balance out of the way, even if the cosmetics are a little hacky. I mean, it's I don't particularly like it, but it's also a nice way to actually get it working properly. Um, it's just I, I wouldn't want it to stay that way. I'd like it to actually, you know, get fixed and look proper and, and actually feel like the weapon is supposed to be eventually, you know, in a semi-reasonable you know reasonable amount of time. Yeah, and, and True Adamants wants an MR tank. 
Yeah, yeah. He won't know what to do with himself he once he gets he it. He won't let us recolor the Galinti one, though. <laughs> oh, well, let me put it this way. I think if you gave him something or nothing, something he would take. Yeah, well, I actually talked to him a bit about this, and his logic is if I'm stubborn and say no long enough, it'll just eventually add it in. And I basically said I'd rather actually do something rather than be stubborn. So I'm, I'm working on him. I am unconvinced that his stubbornness, as much as I like True, by the way, is the thing that would push CCP over the edge to add a big fucking gold-plated lozenge with wheels into the game. <laughs> I, I tease him a lot, but I actually, I think it's great that we have um, at least a few um, diehard faction loyalists. Yes and no. When it gets in the way of actually progress, it's a little frustrating. I'm going to have to agree with Jason on the fact that if we do all these stats things ahead of time, it becomes so much easier to justify. Hey, our team, can you make us a new gun? Yep. And we're ready to hammer it out, all the functions, all the things about it, and all we have to do now is just match the art and the animations and the sounds to go with it. You know, one of the things that I, and I've said this before, I, th- I think I've said it before, but one of the things I really, really wish that they had done uh, was the same weapons that you mount on the labs and in the side of the drop, sh- drop ships would be the same things that the heavy suits carried. So you now you, you're making one model that, that would be effectively big, works across all. Yeah, that would be a big change, though, because you would be, um, well, what would you be doing? You'd be tossing out. I don't know. You'd have to figure out how to put the HMG on a turret. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, but that's it's pretty simple. All you do is I mean, you, you would the, you would yeah, have more, more guns then because you'd have your your HMG and your forge and your um. Well, the forge is a rail gun. Yeah, exactly. All so it is would, yeah. all it is is exactly a small rail, but it has a different a different animation and you know, uh, an image, but it, it could literally be the same thing. Uh, the blaster would probably need to get, you know, obviously that's the one that's most clunky. And then you got a missile launcher, which I would not have like that. I, I would not put that on a heavy suit. Um, but the HMG would be easy. I mean, I could totally see bombing around in a lav with a, uh, like an HMG on top. That That's totally legit. Well, and it kind of makes sense that the That'd heavy suit is basically carrying a, an in-place turret, but you know, actually carrying it around. That's why it's it needs special equipment to actually yeah. carry the damn thing. Yeah, and that's I've definitely seen discussion on wanting that. Yeah, like I said, it, I think it would make it would have made things um, fairly simple. You know, from in theory, in terms of how you balance certain things, certainly would have cut down, made it been more efficient for art assets and things of that nature. So, like I said, that, just a. That's one of those kind of I wish I wish that they had fixed it or had thought through that before they um, they kind of emplaced it. I, I would also suspect when all that was getting put together that it was sort of a rush for more stuff in the game period and kind of really gave a damn what it was or what it looked like. They just wanted more stuff at one point. Well, I mean, they still do that when they advertise. You know, we have all these maps and all these weapons, and really, it's only a handful of weapons and a gazillion variations that don't really change much. So it's they definitely inflate their their armory a bit more than it actually is. Did they finally take the uh, was it thirty two versus thirty two off of the website? I doubt it. I, no, I can check a lot right of now. Places, yes. <laughs> God, I hope so. That was just that was embarrassing. All right. Well, that's kind of cool. What I'm just kind of curious. What other things can we use for? Um, what other if we're going to go with the line of not just for heavy weapons, but if you're using existing assets in the game, what other areas are there that we could probably take advantage of that uh, of that process for? 
I say well, I mean, repair turns. <laughs> oh, that's legit. Yeah, I don't know. I remember when we had remote repairers on all the vehicles, and those were so goddamn fucking clunky. It wasn't even funny trying to walk onto somebody, then trying to repair them. Then they just um, bump out of range, and now you have to start the whole process over again, and actually might shoot them up. You had to aim it from like the driver view, didn't you? That also, and it's just, it was just so goddamn annoying. If it was on a small turn, it would be so much easier. It actually um, increased um, team, team playing synergy. And it it just probably balanced even further. Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, to me, the one that stands out is you know, is just taking the rep tool and turn the you know the beam like blue or some shit to you know, and then rep shields. I I know that sounds very easy to say, and it may be like one of the most incredibly difficult things to do in the game. Who knows? Well, the abil- the ability to to rep shields on vehicles existed in the past, so I it's conceivable that you could apply the same function to a. The repair tool for infantry as well. That's what you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, it to me it would be, like I said, it'd be pretty cool. You have like the little gold beam for armor, the little blue beam for, um, you know, like shields. And and I'm I'm actually a fan of you could have like a hybrid one that would have a low to moderate rep rate, but it would touch on both shields and armor simultaneously. Yeah, I'd like to see that for infantry and vehicles. I mean, in general, the support class in, can be in some ways a little bit boring or non-existent in the case of vehicles. And I think that adding more options and actually making the design fit around that would make it a lot more interesting because it's it's kind of boring. I mean, vehicles in general are pretty boring. Uh, logistics don't exist for vehicles anymore. I think giving more options for logistics infantry would be excellent as well. Yep. I mean, I, I actually, one of the things I was looking at was the different things you could do with deployables, um, like perhaps different effects or stuff like that uh, for the same deployable skin. Now, I, I know that's probably a, uh, you know, that's probably actually maybe harder to work in than like weapon effects and things like that. But that, that might be pretty interesting. Like you can almost have like a counter uplink, you know, basically a sino inhibitor is what you're really talking about is throw it on the ground and then it's got a, you know, an AOE around it that prevents uplinks from working, you know, it doesn't kill them, but it just prevents them from working as long as it's operational. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I'd like E-War to actually expand to be more than just scanning and not being scanned. I think that, well, in- you know, somebody on the forum made a really interesting point about that is that that is not actually E-War. We call it E-War and dust, but that's not actually in New Eden how E-War works. There's multiple different things that fall under E-War, all the way from jamming to like, you know, trapping, destruction, damps, and you know all kind of jazz like that. And, and to include buffs, by the way, a lot of people forget that. It's not just effects that you apply on an enemy, but you can apply E-War to your, your guys in your fleet, and you give them buffs um, for tracking or, you know, like lock range and stuff like that. So, uh, like, I... You could have an, a very deep level of gameplay that gets overlaid into, into the current dust if they actually approached it from an e-war mechanic, which is really what we just call scanning right now. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of stuff that you can do in e, which makes fights very interesting around e-war. You know, there's like you said, there's there's jamming, there's uh, like uh, even just like uh, like uh, what are they called? Uh, neutralizers for capacitor and whatnot. Oh, you know, yeah. if vehicles had capacitor, you could have a whole subset of tools to, to do with that. And 
you know, I, I think that the overly simplistic approach they took has really kind of cut out a lot of the, the complexity and depth of the gameplay that, you know, Eve enjoys. And I, I wish they would actually, I mean, a lot of those take a complete design overall. I mean, capacitors for vehicles is a, a pretty hefty undertaking. But I think you get my point that there's there's things you can do that actually do modify the gameplay in a significant way that's not just, you know, shoot the guy and tank through everything. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're definitely on to something with that. But. Didn't Rattati at one point mention, maybe I'm totally insane here, but mention like a spy uplink where you could drop it and it would do like a radial scan in the area with a certain precision and you could drop those in areas to, to watch for incoming infantry or something and then they would show up on the tech net? Yes, he did. I think that'd be totally legit. Yeah, I, yeah like, like stuff like that is, is pretty sweet. I mean, and you can flip it around, like Jason said, you you can drop it and it... You know, it's a, it's a countermeasure against uplinks, or it creates a, a jamming field where scans don't work inside there for you know either one or both parties. I mean, it's it's stuff like that that's it's really no art asset change. It's just a you know a, a nano hive or an uplink or whatever. But it's a in terms of technical terms, if that's possible. That's really cool stuff to explore, and I, I'd like to actually see more of that now that we're kind of getting into the phase where we can look at more advanced techniques to to modify the gameplay like that. Yeah, you know, one thing I was actually I was actually thinking is, you know, if like that devil spawn grease fire shit of a, of bandwidth comes to fruition, which you know I'm kind of resigning myself to the fact that it will is that uh, <laughs> you, you know what, what you may want to do is look at uh, some different variants of some of the like of some of the uh, you know the deployables. I, like for one, uh, if you had a hardened uplink. Uh, I think it's what I was kicking around the forums is basically something that like a single flux grenade can't take out. Um, And it's, you know, something that, that has a longer combat shelf life, so to speak. Uh, I think that would be maybe, maybe one way is a good trade off, you know, in terms of the, uh, you know, that thing that should be not named uh, if it comes into, uh, into the game. Yeah, I think that's a pretty valid point. I mean, if you, it might be advantageous to you to carry a, a piece of equipment that's going to survive a uh, a flux, or if you put it down, they're going to have to spend more time sitting there and shooting it to get rid of it. You know that that can be used to a tactical advantage because if they want to get rid of it, they're going to do it, and you can use that to your advantage. So that that definitely brings tactics to the game, which you know is always a good thing in my book. Yep. So uh, real quick before we we hop onto the. Uh... You know, the subject of evilness. Um, is anybody else have any ideas on uh, like utilizing some existing assets in game and you know shaping them a little bit to try to to you know, do some fundamentally different things or bring racial parity? Any, any other last you kind of saved rounds on that one? I want a active scanner called a target designator, and it only goes to where your cross point is, but it'll attack a person for an extra long time. But you can only hit that one person. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. That'd be pretty good. That'd be a great way to find, uh, you know, snipers in the hills. And we'll have a zoom function. Yeah, like an ADS. Yeah, I mean, that would be really nice. That's that's a good one. Uh, let's see. Pokezell, anything else? Uh, one thing that's just kind of been, I've been knocking around for a while is something along the lines of a target painter. If you had some sort of countermeasures for... You know, swarms that a vehicle could equip. You could have someone with a, with a target painter, which would you know reduce the lock time of a of a swarm launcher. You know, it's it's like a like a repair mm-hmm. tool sort of thing. You could lock on from long range, and it would paint the target, and then people could sure. lock on faster with swarms. Something like that. I mean, it's that's all a matter of balance, but just ideas where you can again countermeasures to other countermeasures. It it adds depth and complexity to the game, and I, I'd love to see stuff like that. 
Yeah, that was actually that was actually something I I was thinking through is um, I, I like having more options, but the trick is having hard counters to to the options. Um, like everybody beefs about equipment spam, uh, you know. I got it. it. It can be a problem. I, I totally acknowledge that. I'm also a huge fan of this thing called, and I'm just going to throw this out there, but uh, it's called a fucking Allotech flux grenade that cures equipment spam quickly. Uh, but like, I, I see the point, but I'm a big fan of, like I said, having the hard counters. Now the interesting, quite the interesting paradigm you put yourself in is if you have hard counters, like let's say you have uplinks and then you have like an uplink inhibitor, it's still just more equipment that gets put on the ground, uh, which, uh, you know, I kind of made the comment to True Adamants in a forum post that, you know, nothing in dust scales well. You know, two scouts on one team adds tactical flavor and tactical challenge. Twelve on the same team, that's a problem. And that's kind of the same for vehicles, heavy suits, and, and apparently now equipment. So if you started introducing counters to equipment, what you're really doing is just you're, you're just still introducing more deployable equipment to the game. Yeah, I think the overspam of, of specific roles, it comes from a fact that I think the roles are a little too good at doing everything. I mean, sure, that certain roles has an optimization, but ideally you'd want to have a role where what it does is unique and it's necessary. So you need to have all of them rather than just you know, fill the room full of heavies and nothing can get in. So that's all you have to do. So I think that that's, that's an underlying problem, but you know, it's, it's a difficult one to fix without really starting to mess with stuff, which is kind of scary. Yeah. No, I could tell totally, I mean, it, well, to a degree, you know, one of the things that struck me when we were having the, you know, the big kerfuffle about rail rifles a few yeah, weeks you, ago was, you, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's, that's not important. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just, I'm thinking in terms of like how, like it'd be kind of interesting to hear Arn Wolf and Soraya talk about how Rattati views balance because one of the key things that, that helped snap a lot of things into focus for me was a critical balancing factor for him appears to be like usage rates. And, and he even conceded the point that something can be overused but not necessarily overpowered, but he wants, but he views balance also in the terms of balanced usage across different variants, races and types and things of that nature. And that just strikes me is one, it's a, it's a laudable goal about, I'll, I'll buy that, but it's exceedingly difficult to do in a game like dust with, and we already have a lot of options. I mean, you have a ton of different tactical options for, for people now. So that just strikes me as almost like, uh, you know, an unreachable goal to try to use that as a balancing factor. So it kind of makes me wonder like how many roles should a 16 person team have for it to be balanced? Because if you have a bunch of people running individuals, they're going to run probably heavier scouts. People on a team, you will coordinate with each other to like who's going to run Logi, who's going to run heavy, who's going to run this. So it's one of those things where I'm kind of curious as how that, how do you balance for role usage on a 16-person team? Because, I mean, the, it's a very finite number that you're dealing with. I have to, well, you do have a point. It, here it comes to what we, I like to call role saturation, where you just have way so many roles that um, there's no way that they can all be fielded evenly and properly, and that there's always going to be the popular ones. For example, Kaldari is one of the more popular ships still in New Eden, regardless of all the balance changes and how they're, how terrible they are for PvP. Yep. But despite this, the usage factors usually is a flag indicator. It's a reason to go look at it as to why is it so popular. 
And if it turns out that it's because everything else sucks, then that means everything else needs a buff. But if it turns out that one thing is indefinitely overpowered, there's too many good things going for it, then um, that may be a call to try to adjust it. You know, that's a, I mean, that's a solid point. And I think that's one of the things that has not all, but like some of, you know, the kind of the, the pro logies like, uh, like me kind of upset about, you know, the bandwidth idea, honestly, is that like, we, t- I totally buy what you're saying that if something is too good, it's being overused. The, but I, I think I would challenge anybody that says that, uh, logistics, um, like logistics is in a really good place right now in terms of their suit design and how they work. And a lot of the logistics suits, or at least half of them, Amar and Caldari, are specifically tailored around deployables. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, as I said, there's, like I said, there's, there's always that, um, there's always the ideal um, balance and there's the unideal balance. The unideal balance happens all the time because, for example, no one likes using single shot weapons in a game full of automatic weapons. Yeah, no, that's true. Just overall, there, the, the, not only a usage factor is a certain type of flag that we often um, that CCP Vertati loves to use. The other factor he likes to use is um, how how the kill factor is, how much uh, how well is it performing on the field versus everything else. For example, a, if a certain platform was getting 50 KDR when the entire game average is around five, then there's something definitely wrong. Oh yeah, no, I'm totally, I'm totally with you on that. Like, I'm, a, I'm a, like I said, I'm a big fan of trying to develop like the hard counter to things, and I, I think that's a, that, that really is what leads you to tactical gameplay. But no, I, like I said, I totally see what you're saying. Uh, it just kind of makes me wonder when you, when you're running 16 person teams, and you try to, to figure out like, well, hey, there's too many of this suit, or there's too many of this widget or gadget. It's just the just the raw team number really starts to limit you because I, I would I've been in several matches here in this week I was kind of counting it up and where you would have like three squads of like two or three people then everybody else on the team is solo well that's to me that's usually where you get a lot of spam of equipment spam of heavies and spam of scouts because people are trying to take care of themselves uh, does, does that kind of make sense? Um, yes, it does. And like I said, there are people who are going to stick to certain things because they like the way it looks or how it plays out. It's, it tailors to them and them specifically. And it could be easily just because it's the popular option. We have to sure. be considerate of that as well. Yeah, no, I got you on that, man. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, since we're already kind of talking a little I mean, bit about that. It does reach a point, no, though, where you know, you're, you're in a match, you're actually playing, you go, there are way too many heavies in here for this to be just the popular option. I mean... I myself, I like to run Commando, and recently I've been switching to Sentinel just so I can deal with all the other heavies because it's it's so crazy and how how excessive it's getting. So I think that you know things can be popular, but at the same time, if they're too popular, then that's also an issue. I like to call it the "you come in this or you go home" factor. If it gets to that point, then there's something definitely wrong. Yeah, but you know, I, I'm with you on that. But there's also a certain amount of kind of the stock market syndrome in this where. It, you know, flavor of the month, you know, there, there may be a clear mathematical advantage to certain things or certain maps lead you to lead you that way. But the reality is if it gets in the player base's mind that it's, you know, Sentinel or go home, scout or go home or whatever, that's what they're all going to do. That doesn't always necessarily mean that it's actually the better option 
for the match, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I do think that that's possibly some of the case. I, I don't, I don't really, I, I don't always share everyone's agreement that some that we're in this state of this horrible imbalance right now. I think we were actually pretty darn close, and I'm, I'm not sure where everything suddenly became. Oh my gosh, it's unbalanced again. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that, Zell. I mean, shocker, but well, I think I, I think the suits themselves are are getting pretty close to performing in general the way they should it's just a matter of getting them to perform against each other in a way which promotes a more you know diverse you know uh, role and suit choice amongst the players rather than you know a very drastic shift towards one you know, a particular particular role or suit i do want to say though that right now you know even even if we say that the heavies and, and scouts are the the favored suits right now um that is far better than we've ever been in before um given that it used to be it was either you had to run an assault suit or you had to run a logi suit. Um, whereas right now we have two suits that people are both using heavily, which is an, a, a fairly decent... <laughs> it's actually a fairly decent variety when you think about it. Well, you're, you're saying that instead of having to run one, you can pick between two of the five. Yes, that's twice as good. <laughs> I love the logic. And and really, all we know we know that uh, commander suits are just want to be assaults, anyways. Well, they really are, but that's that's an entirely different discussion. Or are assaults want to be commandos? They should have never been born in the first place. Assaults should have had two light weapons, and that's the end of the story. Yep. Are we going to start a petition to remove commander suits then? No, I think that's <laughs> that's too much. I honestly. I won't get too into it, but I think that people are trying too hard to make the commandos and the assaults be different. And they're really just kind of two sides of the same coin. I think they should probably be a little more similar in, in what they do and just accept it for what it is, that they are basically the same I, role and they just, well, you know. I, I think you could, I think you actually could differentiate them very, very quickly. Um, if you took the commando uh, and you basically adjusted their, their weapon support bonuses, don't give them a raw damage buff to like, to like rifles. Uh, basically you give them something that, you know, encourages them to stay on the trigger longer, basically like the, the, like a, an actual, like a support weapon, like an offensive support class. And then you give it a buff to AV. Like if you did that, like call it good and, and then leave it alone. Uh, you, you, that's probably a pretty legit thing that you could, that you could do to separate the commando and, and give it a legitimate, pretty decent role. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in the past that the commando reload bonus in itself is basically a, a buff to AV weapons because I mean, reload bonus is nice for for anti infantry weapons, but it, it's not really a critical thing. But for anti vehicle, where the AV weapons typically have small magazines, having a reload speed is basically a straight buff to your DPS. I mean, plasma yeah. cannon being a prime example that I mean, with a three and a half second reload, yeah, you only get one shot. You want that reload as, as quickly as possible. So I mean, in that regard. Uh, it's definitely a uh, an anti-vehicle fit. So, I mean, I, I would love to see commandos actually get the skill set they would need to, to be kind of a more AV, uh, you know, AV-centric uh, suit, but the problem is that we don't have enough light AV weapons to actually make that happen, which is uh, going back to our first discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally, I, I'm kind of with you. And, 
you know, off the top of my head, there's, like I said, if you if you really viewed the commando as an offensive support uh, platform versus the logi, which is more of a, you know, an equipment or a defensive support mechanism, you view, you know, you kind of differentiate them in your mind that way. If you add some additional heavy weapons, that's an easy that's an easy way to, to generate some. Um, you know, I think some some pretty good movement that way in terms of how you do some different AV things, but that's really for the Sentinels. What I think you could do, though, is add some variants to the existing AV weapons, some, like, legitimate variants out there that really mess with perhaps the damage profiles. Like, I, I would actually like to have, um, like, swarm launchers that do different types of damage profiles, you know, We'll pull a page out of Eve. You know, one of the one of the hallmarks of, of Caldari stuff is missiles, swarms of missile, basically. And the other hallmark of that is you can swap your damage type. Like that's really what gives you the flexibility in a tactical engagement, as I can pick the damage type that will do the most damage to whatever I, you know, whatever I think I'm going to face. So you can maybe pick something that's more shield, you know, that's more oriented to doing damage to shield tank vehicles versus, you know, just pure armor tank or armor damage options. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to a, a long issue where the uh, Kaldari Commando, it, it gets a buff for damage for hybrid rail weapons. Well, the Swarm Launcher is not a hybrid rail weapon. It's an explosive weapon. So actually the Minmatar gets the bonus for the Kaldari Swarm Launcher, which is kind of messed up. And this primarily comes because the bonuses are, or rather the weapons are tagged by damage type, not necessarily by what race they are. So because the, you know, Mimitar gets the explosive damage, it gets the, you know, the swarm launcher. So if you, if you gave different ammo types uh, for the swarm or, or for any AV weapon for that matter, you could actually then have it properly apply to, uh, you know, the commando that it's associated with, or at least what it would be associated with. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds totally legit to me, but like I said, who knows, it may actually be like exceedingly difficult to actually implement. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you had more light AV weapons, I think you could totally drum up a proper set of bonuses for the Kamehameha to make it a good AV fit. I mean, one of the, the, the hallmarks of it is that because you have the two light weapons, you can carry an AV weapon um, without sacrificing your you know offensive uh, anti-infantry capabilities. You can still carry your assault rifle, your combat rifle, along with your storm launcher if you want. So having that capability, those two light weapons, is really instrumental if you want to be light AV but not be totally helpless and stuck with a sidearm. So I think that in that regard, the commando is extremely well suited for that. It's just the lack of racial weapons that's standing in the way right now. Yep. No, I think you're on it, man. Uh, let's see. All right. So what else do you guys want to talk about tonight? What What is on your mind? I have a well, couple different ones. Did you but... actually explain why you uh you hate the beloved bandwidth uh, idea? Oh yeah, well it's pretty simple. Um, like I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, taken in isolation, when you only look at the bandwidth option, what it really does is, I mean, it's in effect a fairly direct nerf to logistics play for a reason. It's a buff to there... logistics play. Mm, okay, well, you can either let me finish or you can t- continue to spout bullshit. I'm okay with either option, but just let me know before I keep going on. Go on. Okay, so, and and here's and here's the reason I say that. Um, if you ask anybody that plays Logi a lot, ask them how many times they have to switch their suits, even to different Logi suits to put down different pieces of equipment. Because after the first five minutes of a match, 
generally there's not a lot of equipment around because the people that were one suit wonders, they're busy trying to get their sleigh on. So that's the first thing. Uh, and having some options, like if you're running an MR or a Cal, Cal Logi, you've only got three equipment slots. You're going to be wanting to put down different types of equipment. Like you'll have a hive suit, you'll have a an uplink suit, and then you'll have one that's kind of mixed, you know, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on that actually, you know, deepens the logic play. But you know, once you get beyond that, I, I will, you know, I, I don't think anybody will argue that equipment, equipment span to the point where it may limit or degrade the actual gameplay can be a problem. Now, I will also tell you anecdotally, this is just for me, and I realize I may be out of the norm. I don't get nearly like the game breaking lag that it seems like some people get. I think some people do get much worse lag. I don't know, maybe I've got a really good connection or something, but I will get it occasionally but not often, uh, to be to be very honest. So I may have a skewed perspective on this. I, I don't think it's just performance lag. I think also having 5,000 uplinks on the field is not good design. I think it's terrible design, and I think that you shouldn't... You should have... There, if, if your game strategy is dump them everywhere, then your game strategy sucks, and the fact that the game allows you to do it sucks. Um... And I would rather see on any given battlefield, you know, four or five really well placed uplinks than sixty uplinks. I think you're everywhere. I think you're missing where people put the or why a lot of those uplinks go down. Remember what I said about most people that play probably aren't in a six man squad. They're putting their own uplinks in, is what's happening. Because they're not in a squad where they're coordinating who's got the uplinks in this six man squad. And, right, I was, but, and, and I'm I'm very confident that that's where a lot of this, where, where a lot of what we say is equipment spam, it has nothing to do with strategy. It literally has to do with people, frankly, kind of like you that play mostly solo that are looking to take care of themselves. Very understandably, I might add. But it's it's not just about solo players. It's also, look at PC. You have the exact same thing. There's 50, 60 uplinks down. Why? Because everyone says, drop uplinks everywhere. We need uplinks everywhere. And in fact, since the game started, since the very, since Uprising 1.0, at least when they put in PC, the outcome of a PC match could be determined within the first two minutes by looking at how many uplinks were on the field on each side. If you could, if you could see that, you could tell which team was going to win because it's whoever has the most uplinks wins. Mm, um, I would tell you that that's, I, th I think you're, I think you're missing misinterpreting something but sure uh, one thing i would offer but that's how that's how chronos won the um uh fan fest tournament we threw down a shit ton of links everywhere and no matter who came up against us they couldn't counter us and the other thing to put down is you had mentioned that you have different suits of different deployables that you use nothing about this proposal stops that because yeah, you're no it doesn't because you have the same bandwidth on every logi suit no but if if i put down if I'm running a Kalaji, which is a three equipment slot suit, and let's say I've got an uplink heavy heavy suit, I put that down in the initial stages of the match to assist in gaining a foothold and making sure that we can maintain tactical momentum. Then you switch to a hive suit where you can use to hard point different points on the map and help your team from a defensive standpoint or a resupply standpoint. If I switch that Logi suit and like my equipment starts to pop at that point when I start putting new equipment down. 
when you put new equipment down because you can only have a certain amount of equipment I, on the ground personally at a time. Yeah, I don't I don't really think you have any idea how that works for real. Just be, I, mean, I don't mean that evil. I'm I'm literally I just I don't think you understand how that works in team play for a lodgy to have to cover that much ground. Like I don't think you understand how many pieces of equipment you actually do need on the ground. There 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 needs to be less equipment on the ground. Then I would rather that you limit the amount of deployables that you can put on the ground. So if you don't want a proto uplink that I can put three uplinks on the ground, then make it I can only put one of any kind of uplink and that's what I carry. Don't limit me by bandwidth. That's the same thing much as bandwidth nerf. except it's except a much it's bigger now nerf. for every individual piece of gear. It's the same thing. No, it's not because I can lay down the uplinks and I can lay down the hives. Which I may not be able to. No, you can't. You Why cannot do you want to multiply that. bandwidth? It's probably going to get lag up the game more. <laughs> if you know how, if you know how many. Okay, so think about it this way: so you want to deploy. If if you if you know you can put X number on the field, then you don't put more than half of that of any given type. If you're trying to split between what type of of equipment you're deploying. But all of your equipment is preserved between Logi suits as long as you don't go over your quota. I okay, sure. You could do I mean, more you can do more uplinks or more nano hives or half and half of each or whatever. You have that flexibility. Why would you want a capped limit that says, Oh well you can only have two uplinks and two you know, I'm gonna I'm No gonna no just, you're you're not you're totally what both is, of you stop. Can you stop. answer me a question really quick? Zell, just, stop talking. you both of you are absolutely not understanding what I'm saying. Like if you pick an if you pick a piece of equipment like okay was it the um, like the gauge hives uh, the Ishcon gauge hives where you can deploy four of those just like lower the amount of those individual pieces of equipment you can deploy that's not individual bandwidth that's not doing anything with bandwidth that's literally just lowering that part of the equipment but you retain the tactical flexibility to put additional pieces of equipment on the ground or additional types of equipment on the ground you still do. You're asking, you're, I mean, you don't, you don't want to take away, you're, you're asking for a larger nerf. You're asking for less flexibility in a larger nerf. No. I'd rather increase the carry-on size and lower the amount of clusters each um, hive has. Yeah, which I thought was a very legitimate idea. Now, I, the only part I don't know about that is you could lead to more pieces of deployed equipment on the ground. Oh, they just last a lot you know, a lot shorter period. I think there's actually some, some real merit. And that. when you combine it with the bandwidth, it all evens out. So if you're, oh, you're constantly at the front lines now with deploying stuff to support your um, attack line. Yeah, okay. Overall, it's going to lower large amount of um, stuff on the field. It's going to increase the amount of tacticality, your flexibility. And it's, it's the idea is just to give everyone options and just being a logy and not just, oh, let's pretend to be a logy and swap to a Slayer suit. That, that's what it's going to be on so, resolving mostly. Let me, let me ask People you a question. People can stay logy purely and still, uh, still have a great amount of flexibility. If you stay as a logy, right? Right. Like you could even you could even have a suit you know if you have a, a that's fit not for deployable dude you, you throw out all your if you throw out all your modules and stuff you could even switch to an active a logi suit with all active equipment like scanners and repair tools and stuff and all your equipment stays down because that type of suit has the bandwidth to support it. The bottom line is you you are actually removing flexibility from people that run logi suits. That's and I also noted up front that if you want to reduce equipment spam then no matter how you do it, there's a hard nerf to the logies. Okay. I would also point out that everybody is saying that you shouldn't keep your role bonus if you're not playing that role. 
okay, sure, I'll buy that. But the way that we're going about doing this affects Logi players dramatically more than other roles. That's just how that works. I'm not saying that, I'm not disagreeing that that's how it's, that's how it's working. All I'm saying is that I actually don't think you really know what the fuck you're talking about when it comes to how you play Logi over the course of a, over the course of an entire match with the amount of people that actually do play Logi for real, not the one suit wonders. I just, that's all I'm saying is it doesn't strike me that you understand really what you're saying. Uh, and if you say it's a buff to Logis, that's bullshit. Because unless you can show me what are the other things that we're doing to upgrade or optimize, it is a buff to Logi players because you know what you're no longer you're you're now the the suits that can deploy that level of equipment, whereas other suits cannot have that level of equipment out. Those players cannot support that level of equipment while running, say, a heavy suit. Kills roll stomping. Sure, but uh, totally buff, that doesn't though. that doesn't abs- that does not stop somebody from switching from their cloak scout to a, a sentinel with an HMG, then back to a cloak cloak scout. Like the cost on switching roles for them is dramatically lower than the cost on switching roles for a logic. I, I disagree because you're you're talking being able to keep logi level equipment at, at the number of equipment you can deploy as a logistics after you switch suits is like saying, well, if you switch from a scout to a heavy, you can keep your your speed bonus. Not a in any way, shape, is or a form. Huge, huge part of the value of a logi suit, and to say that that is, that you should be able to keep that when you leave a logi suit is ridiculous. Yeah, well, like I said, you, you guys have already made your mind up. That was also very clear from Rattati's OP. So nothing that anybody says is going to change your mind. So have at it. I think it's a shame because I think the, the whole equipment spam really wasn't intentional from the start. I mean, when you had equipment that one of the attributes it had was you can have this many deployed at once. I don't think the intention was ever to actually let you have, you know, stack on different types of the same thing and then deploy, you know, all of each set, you know. When you can spell GGFA on a, on the map with uh, with uplinks? Well, right, but I think I think what I'm getting at is that the fact that, okay, so your proto-uplink, you can put down three of them, and this one you can put down two of them, so now you can put down five. I think that that really wasn't intentional from the get-go. It's, but, so ideally what it would be is that you have... You know, here's your proto uplink. You can have three out. Okay, that's your cap now. You can only have three uplinks at a given time because those are the uplinks you have. But unfortunately, I've been told that would require a massive rework of the system, which is a real shame because I think that's really how it should work rather than having stacking different types, you know, but and I mean, kind of circumventing that, that feature of having, you know, a max deployable for each type. Rather than having, but I mean, rather than saying you can have three uplinks and three nano hives. Why is that? Why is that better than having a system that says you can have six deployables and you get to choose whether that's six uplinks, six six nano hives, or any combination thereof? Bandwidth is a more flexible system. You can always bring in um, equipment variants that also eat up less bandwidth, but don't perform as well too. So that's even more further options we can add in. Yeah, but that sort of thing you want to hold off on because I mean it's. Well, we it's have just, to. You have to see how the existing changes will play before you can add variants to take advantage of the new game mechanic. Yeah, I think it's just it's it is a rather drastic change and obviously frustrating for a lot of players. And it's obviously by no means perfect in any way, which, which is kind of what I was getting at. Is that it's not the ideal fix, which 
is unfortunate, but from like I said, what I've, what I've been told, the ideal fix isn't really on the books because it would require so much work to actually pull off. So it it just kind of sucks, is what I'm saying. A lot of things suck in this game because the initial design cannot be met early on, so they just did a um, bandage over it. <laughs> yep, which is you know, it's equipment it's deployability is that one thing, and this bandwidth was the original intention, but it we're gonna have to find out how that plays out now and work with it. Yeah, for sure. No, I could have sworn bandwidth was a was a player idea at one point first, but it was. I, I it's know. a really age old idea from like two fan fests ago almost. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's just, when they were talking about drones and PVE and shit too. Yep. <laughs> right. That's it's that stuff. about that that good of an idea. Hey, it's not how like we're supposed to have a player market by now, right? <laughs> So, like all the, and, you mean all the stuff that, I mean, I guess that are hard all the you stuff can do, that people want and are, would be leave. useful, you you can't do, but all the shit you don't want, you can do. That's that's amazing. I think a lot of people want bandwidth. I've heard a lot of positive response to it. Mm. I guess we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, like Jay said, I think the, the dev team has pretty much made up their mind this is going to happen, so it's... You kind of throw your hands up in the air and go, well, all right, let's see if it blows up or not, you know? Well, the next thing you can do afterwards is trying to adjust all the knobs to make it actually feel feel better instead of all um, terrible. Yeah. I think one key thing is to say that it's not necessarily a, a buff to Lodges. It's because it's not a buff at all. It, it just makes them more essential, but I wouldn't really call that a buff. And I think that it's say, that's been okay. I'd say it's a it's a nerf that hits everyone else harder. It it's a buff compared to everyone else. Everyone is getting a nerf. I, I think you're literally looking Lodges at that backwards. Are getting a nerf less. How, are you serious? How is it buffing all the other classes? Because all the other classes are now stuck with one hive or one deployable, which and that is, includes a scout. No, no. Yeah, but, but what I'm getting at for the longest time, while stopping on the MR logic, because scout was far more preferable because he can run there faster and deploy more uplinks. Sure, but what you're telling me is that yeah, okay. Let me put it this way: it it does it is a nerf to people that use a use a suit once and never touch it for the rest of the map match. It is also a serious nerf for those that stay in equipment-driven suits that need to use different types of equipment based on the situation throughout the map. The trade-offs that you make as a Lodgy over time in a match, not the first five minutes, but over time, will be much more starker than the trade-offs that anybody else would have to make when they switch roles. Now, again, You'll also notice that going way back to what I first said is it is very difficult to judge this based on the the concept of bandwidth in isolation without understanding anything else that they're going to do. Because if I'm not matra- if I'm not mistaken, the Logi suit is the only suit that hasn't gotten a significant rework of any kind, like in the current sort of drop sh- dropship op- or gosh drop suit optimization run that we've done throughout the hotfixes. So we don't really know how all this works in conjunction with each other. At its face value, given the current Logi suits and how Logis play over the course of a match, there there is no way that this can be misconstrued as a buff. Um, it does limit the current level of tax, tactical flexibility, which I, for one, regardless of the role that you play, I actually think that that's one of the, that's has always been one of the positives about Dust is that it allowed you to switch between you know, different roles, different suit types, different dramatically different setups, 
based on your personal preferences, your play style, or the tactical options presented to you. That has always been one of the things that I actually thought was a strength in Dust. But now what we're lo looking to do is to constrain that. And it was also one of the things that truly made it somewhat unique against other first-person shooter games. So that's where my position on this is. Uh, you know, now it'd be really cool if th they would come out and say, well, here's what we're going to do to the Logi class, uh, you know, which, I, as I said, should be about time to get that done. Like if they would do that in conjunction with the bandwidth, there might be, you know, some positivity here. And I, I'm totally on board for that. But trying to take them in isolation, it doesn't work very well because the current Logi suits aren't in a great place, frankly, in some cases. Well, they tried a uniform once, and everyone yelled. So it, he's a little discouraged from um, changing stats at the moment. <laughs> just, just so I'm tracking what you're getting at, Jay, just because I, I play Logi, but obviously not nearly as much as you do. So what, you, what you're basically saying is that you spawn into the match, you, let's say, you switch into your Amar Logi suit, and you go and you scatter your uplinks. And let's say you consume most of your bandwidth in the process. Now let's say the situation changes, now you need nano hives, you switch to your Kaldari Yolaji, and now you need to drop nano hives, but in the process of doing so, you're basically blowing up your, your uplinks. And so what you're getting at is that you want a set number of uplinks versus a set number of hives, so you can consume all of your uh, uplink bandwidth, and then you're not discouraged to deploy hives because you know that the the, the the deployment of the hives won't blow up your uplinks. Is that basically what you're getting at? Um, kind of. So w when when people talk about deployable spam, one of the things they they, they are mostly concerned about is the uplinks because that's what everybody tends to gravitate to, is that there are issues with having a gazillion up, uplinks on the field just more point farming with uplinks, right? Because you're always going to spawn there on that target. Whereas with nano hives, it's really situational. Like a, a nano hive, no, you can take a very expensive, like really spiffy, you know, fucking triage nano hive, but it is utterly uh, irrelevant in five seconds because the battle has moved beyond the location of where that nano hive is. Whereas uplinks are always relevant because you, you know, that is where you can start from. Uh, into, you know that that's a spawn point that you can then change the tactical situation of the game, but the hives are are definitely. I, I don't think anybody beefs too much about, um, you know, spamming nano hives, frankly, because like I said, one flux grenade usually takes care of all that shit. Um, so if the uplink was part of the the root part of the problem, and it was not just spam, but it was like, hey, there just needs to be less less uplinks on the field fine, leave this, the system status quo, but adjust the number of deployable uplinks in terms of an incremental change, not unlike what we did with hand, with grenades, frankly. So take incremental changes to address the problems. I also think you can, frankly, you can readjust the locations of some of the supply depots uh, that would help a lot too. That way, what you don't have, okay, there's two things you can do with supply depots. Number one, you actually locate some of them in areas that are probably more useful to the actual match versus like a two or three minute trip one way out to the red line to go restock on some stuff and then get back to the fight. And then part two, if, you, if there is a way to put some sort of AOE around a supply depot, like a 10 meter bubble around the supply depot that you could have active equipment in, you know, like, hey, it's, you know, it's eating, eating up, it, whatever it does, it just blanks out all nano hives and uplinks within a 10 meter bubble. You would clean up a ridiculous amount of garbage placement of equipment. Imagine the the Galente research facility down there in the uh, in the supply depot room. If 
the length of, for that entire room, you couldn't put anything else down. You had to rely on that supply depot because that's where a lot of people do logi bombs at is they do it right there next to the supply depot. And that's also a way to get garbage bore points. If you did those two things with supply depots and then you lowered the amount of uplinks, let's do that first before you do something as radical as shifting bandwidth. And, and I'm a big fan of make change, but make change incrementally so that you don't have this dramatic swing left and right in terms of, uh, you know, where things are at on the rheostat. I mean, does that, I mean, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I'm getting what you're saying now. Well, this is probably why we haven't, we're not touching anything else, really, when this comes out. So, is that you t- saying that we're not going to touch Logi suits when this comes out? No, I think you have not, from the looks of it. So, you're going to take the suboptimal suits and then in place a change that will further lower their capability over time in a match. That's crazy, man. Why, why not make the Logi suit changes first and then implement the bandwidth if that's what we're going to do? Because, because a lot of those changes working. will probably be rendered useless afterwards from the bandwidth. Rather get the bandwidth out first than be able to play around with it. I mean, it could be something that we could bonus. It could be something that could be like um, our logic gets um, bandwidth bonus for our uplinks. Who knows? Because um, the way this, this system is fundamentally changing a lot of things with deployable, deployables and how they play in the game. So we have to be considerate of how they work out in the game, how, how we can make bandwidth or the, or the logic bonuses useful for um, cause in, that, in that consideration. No, you gotta be careful with that though, because you don't want to limit them with bandwidth and then, you know, just reverse the problem and have more uplink spanning. But yeah, well, I think with yeah, no, no, is- not only that, you don't want to preemptively do things that on such a large scale. For example, I don't want to be changing AV if there's going to be a massive change to vehicles coming in that patch. I mean, we've done this, we've done this too many times before, and it look look how awful it has turned out every time it was done. It's true, but I think what Jay's getting at is that the suits themselves, in terms of their even the values in in their fitting reduction on the bonuses is not right. The the suits, the slot layouts are all screwed up. The they're extremely squishy, very very squishy suits. And I mean that has nothing to do with bandwidths. So you've got an easily killable okay suit that can equip you know equipment, but not all that well. And now you're slapping on the bandwidth on top. It's a little frustrating because it feels like you know I'm, I'm getting semi-nerfed and in the process getting nothing that we really need which is the ability to not die the ability to equip you know better equipment that sort of thing and, oh, and there that, was there was changes before and i'm pretty sure i remember clearly that on um, there was a lot there was quite a bit of protest at it but then again the goals were different back then it was just to try to generally buff the large suits overall the goals of making them survival and um being able to be um be frontline deployers and um supporters were was not that fully considered at the time it was just to get them in line but it, there was like lots of arguments and basically we're trying to dial back all the changes he's going to plan and I mean, the, the short answer is at, at a minimum you can always take the things that, that apparently you you could change that would cause the least amount of drama. Like the big, like for example, the biggest argument that you saw people with the Logi suits was, was frankly, it was over the Amar Logi getting, you know, either keeping its sidearm or what, and then you know, that was one of the biggest pieces. Let them keep the sidearm and be done with it. That's a known. That's a that's some that's a trade off they can make. Fine, Roger that. Um, you know, the Kaldar is in a weird space because it's got three equipment slots, but it doesn't have a sidearm. I would tell you that it needs to have. CPU buffed and then drop a low slot. Like, it, like there's, 
there, there's things you can do. I'm a huge fan of the suits by weight class having the same high and lows. And then your equipment and your weapons are what, uh, what the CPU PG are actually evened out on. That's, that's a huge, um, I think, I think it would make things a lot easier from a balance perspective too, frankly. So that's, like I said, that's just my opinion on it. And I think that there's things that, that we could do. And I would also point out that if people are saying that the Lodgies were beefing about shit, like if you've ever looked in one of the scout threads late, lately, that's bitching. Okay. Like there's no more, you know, active component uh, to somebody who's talking about nerfs and buffs than, than them. So saying that, you know, there's too much negative reaction to the Logi suit changes. That's a kind of a cop out. I, I don't, I don't think that's an, I don't think that's an accurate statement, nor frankly, have I seen Rattati shy away from much. Now, maybe he did in this instance, but that's certainly not his MO for most things that he's done so far. Well, and here's the deal with the discussion, the, the Logi thing is that everyone who has been around for a decent amount of time still has the, the memory of the horror that were Lodgy suits for a while, the Slayer Lodgy. And I hear the term Slayer Lodgy all the time, and I'm quite honestly sick of hearing it. Because, I mean, if you look at, you know, the Lodgy suit compared to what the Assault suits are capable of right now, the Lodgy suits would need a massive, extreme buff to make them be better Slayers. They just, they, they are terrible suits in comparison in, in so many ways. So I, I think the Slayer Lodgy fear, while people still have it, is completely irrational and should really be ignored. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that you have assault bonuses right now, which only really two of the three are considered useful. One is sort of useful, and people will argue that the Kaldari reload is useful, but it, it, it's, it doesn't make it a better Slayer, really. I mean, you've got the, the Mimitar with the magazine capacity, you've got the Amar with the, the heat build. Those are good bonuses, but the fact of the matter is that the, the assault suit bonuses does not say this is a Slayer suit. I mean, they can fit weapons easier, that's cool. They get weapon support bonuses, that's cool, but nothing says this is a Slayer suit. And I think when you look at Lodgies, you have to also look at that so you can tell people, listen, we're making the Lodgies more survivable because of X, Y, and Z, we're doing these things, but we're also reworking the assaults in a bit to show the assaults will remain to be the Slayer suit in comparison to the Lodgie because we're you know giving them this. I mean, if it's damage, whatever. Something that's distinctive and says this suit is made to kill. And if they've got that, that's an incomparable. That's something the logic can't replicate on its own because it's a bonus. It's a unique bonus for the assault, which is something it's never really had. But if you give the, the assault something like that, people are going to be more receptive to changes to the logic to buff them because, again, that fear of the Slayer logic is rampant among the community. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's it's holding back proper discussion about logistics, you know, in making them where they need to be. I mean, Cross the Two has done a lot of great work in in trying to work and make the, the Lodgy suits better and, and fix the bonuses and whatnot, but the fact of the matter is that things need to happen to make these suits better, and people are not going to be receptive to that unless you can look at the other medium frame, which is the Assault, and go, this is what we're going to be doing to make the Assault the Slayer suit that you cannot replicate in the Lodgy suit. And at the same time, you look at the Lodgy suit and you go, this is the Lodgy suit, it is the support suit, this is what we are doing which cannot be replicated on any other suit to make it a support suit. And I think trying to look at one or the other separately isn't going to happen. You've got to look at both as a frame and go, how are these you know, differentiated between each other and how do you define their roles specifically so people don't freak out and go, oh my god, you're giving the Lodgy more HP? That's bullshit. They're going to be Slayer Lodgies. Oh my god, no, Nerf the Lodgy, that's terrible. That's going to happen unless you can actually go, no, 
the assault suit will remain the Slayer suit because of this. And I think that that if you're trying to band-aid one or the other, you know, separately, you're going to run into that issue. So if Rattati is is shying away from that, he needs to really understand that it's it's an issue that, that affects more than one suit at once, and the whole thing has to be tackled at once. Do you know what I'm saying? That's very understandable too, and it's been it's been on our balance play for so long. It's not even funny. It's probably the second longest um, thing that's been on our balance to do list since um since we started all these hot fixes. Yeah, no, nah, and like I said, you know, the bandwidth stuff it, it may very well end up being positive, but it's just it, it's when you, it's when it's discussed in isolation that it's it's really tough. Um, you know, that being said. I, I think that there's a lot of things that they can do across the board. And, I, and I, again, you got a lot of a lot of guys that run lodgies, lodgy suits of whatever race that are very anxiously waiting on what's going to happen with their suit because they've watched what's happened, uh, you know, the very positive changes that have occurred with everybody else's. So uh, and generally, I, I think I think we're on the right track, but it, it's – it's kind of a fine line when you're, I mean, the reality is we're a minority part of the, the player base in terms of people that really like to run those, like a, a niche part of the player base. I got that. And, you know, that's somewhat, somewhat understandable, but there, that there's reticent to reticence to, uh, you, you know, really change some of the, the, the lodgy suits. Cause one could argue, well, they already do something that nobody else can do, which is carry more than two pieces of equipment. Uh, but it's just a lot deeper, deeper problem than that. So, uh, with that, you know, I'll kind of, I think we we'll probably move on from bandwidth discussion. Yeah, uh, I think the the long story short is, a lot of people like the idea because it lowers equipment spam, and a lot of people like the idea because it may have perhaps less up, uplinks on the field. My only counterpoint to that is, I think there are less invasive ways to incrementally address it, uh, and then when taken in isolation with no clear or definitive word outside of what Iron Wolf basically just confirmed that they're not looking at dropping a buff or dropping a rework to the Lodgy suits before the bandwidth goes in. That is a net, that is a net degradation to the support role. Uh, it may only be in the short term, but that is simply a net degradation in the support role. Now, I'll kind of walk away from that one, and I do want to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, because it'll make me feel good and it makes me think of like puppies and kittens, shit like that, is pirate drop suits. Since we've thrown the tinfoil hat on, I throw my pirate drop suit gauntlet on the ground and I stare at Pokey Draven and say, <laughs> Tell me about pirate drop I, suits. I, I knew it was I knew it was coming. I just knew it. I was like, he's having a he's having a, a really angsty uh, episode. He's gonna go to something he likes, like pirate suits. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, like we, we've mentioned it before in the past that uh, for those of you not familiar with Eve, pirate suits are basically drop suits that, or rather, in Eve, they're ships, they're, they're spaceships, not drop suits that um, gain two bonuses: one from one race of of the same class. Like let's say you've got like a, a pirate battleship, so it may get a bonus from your skill level in Galente battleship, and it gets an additional bonus from your skill level in, in Kaldari battleship. And basically, it's they're they're kind of weird specialty ships. They kind of do things a little bit differently than you might expect, but they're you know they're they're, they're usually pretty strong. And so, Jason has commanded me to, <laughs> to start working on designing pirate drop suits. Um, so I've kind of been working with Cross on that. I mean, it's by no means a an official project. It's just something kind of fun we've been working on for 
future consideration. But I mean, I don't know. Jay, do you want to talk a little bit about what you kind of want yeah, to see in sure. those? Well, one of the things it's it's actually one of those um, things that we've talked about for a long time. You know, back when we still had, you know, kind of like. Uh, you know, dust and rouge was like the quote unquote, a new hope and see how I did that through the star Wars reference in there. Um, and, you know, crossbar but, lightsabers, man. That's all I got. From yeah. Me. The, the Claymore Claymore version of lightsabers. So we, um, this, this was back, uh, a long time ago, there had been discussion about basically what you guys are talking about now in terms of post level five, uh, content. Like, what do you do when you hit level five and whatever? Because the reality is once you get to about 14 million skill points, you, you've pretty much dialed in one role, like short of logic role, just because of the amount of SP that goes into it. But like, you've, you've pretty much done all you can do in a given assault role, so to speak. Um, so how do you add content and interest to to things beyond the level five or, you know, that, that last tier? Um, so pirate, pirate, ships in eve are, are a huge thing uh they're uh they're very very popular uh and they do a lot of different things they provide some interesting combinations uh both from a lore standpoint and from a mechanic standpoint inside the game and to and, and in my mind it basically i don't think it would be too big of a stretch to to throw that in, into something like dust um so effectively what happens is that you would take two different races and then you would combine factors from them, uh, and it requires combined skill points. Generally, the way it works is that you need to have, like an Eve, at least level three in both like uh, racial suits in order to access a given pirate ship. Uh, if that, I know I'm mixing suits and ships here. So, for example, a Garista, um, the Garista pirate, pirate faction is effectively a cross between Kaldari and Galente. So you would need level three Galente frigates, level three Kaldari frigates, and then you could access a Garista's pirate frigate, if that makes sense. And then all the, all the bonuses, uh, generally in EVE, they scale by tier or they scale by level. Uh, not all of the bonuses in Dust do, but uh, that's, that's a totally separate discussion is actually going through the entire skill tree and then figuring out what matters and what doesn't. But, um, you would effectively, let's say, train your Gal Logi and your Cal Logi to level three, and then you could access a Garista's Logi, something along those lines, which would then get some a unique combination of bonuses uh, or a unique or some unique benefits that are uh, perhaps not identified with either the Galente or the Caldarian and of itself. Is that, that kind of laid out for you? Yeah, I mean it's 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 really interesting stuff because I mean, like you said, it, it's cool to give people that have been around for a long time and have more SP than they know what to do with. I mean, there's a point when you kind of cap out on usable SP, and it's it's good to to open up additional content that you can actually train with with more SP. So I think that's definitely a buff to the the veteran player experience and giving them more content they can play with that adds a little more variety to the gameplay. No, I mean, the, the, the question I ask, and just kind of get, get your guys' thoughts on it, if there was a, a pirate drop suit system, I mean, is this something that, like the suits you would, would you buy them in the store? Would they be LP only? Would they be random drops? I mean, how do you guys envision that? I say it's going to be a random drops. Uh, I don't know. It, that, that's way too thin. You, I think you'd actually need to be able to purchase them. They just need to cost more, yes. Okay. Yeah, just, just I mean, I, I don't really have an opinion on it. I was just kind of curious and the availability because i mean that, that is kind of a factor in terms of 
how you strong could, they can be, you know? You could give them, you could have them drop, but give a pretty decent drop rate to them so that people who don't intend to skill into them can just uh, use them as, as payout buff. Or, or come yeah. to both, you know? I, I don't know. I, I to, you know, I like officer stuff I can kind of buy, but pirate stuff, not, not, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, well, I think you, I mean, need to, you, you need to have much better access. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, I was suggesting a, a much higher drop rate than officer gear. Much, much higher. Like, much higher than officer gear dropped for a supposed event with buffed drop rate. Oh, the, the event that I didn't get a single officer weapon in? Yeah, that one. That one. Um, yeah, that one. Um, better than that rate. A lot better. Um, like, that you might see one or two a match so, or something so, so like that. Soldier just needs a buff. Yeah, I, I think officer weapons should probably be like like at least as good as the rate we had during this this week event, just like normally. Um, if they're a little less exclusive, um, you know, it, it. I honestly think that would be better for balance. Yeah, I just like I said, my my thoughts generally are, uh, I would I would like the suits to be available for use on demand. Uh, I don't mind if they cost more, uh, because that's that's kind of the point. Is like d- like if you provide beyond level five content, but then you, but then it's but then the access to the content is ultimately not controlled by the player. That's that's problematic. That's a fair point. I mean, if someone's going to train another race to five to get the full benefit, and then they can't use the suit very often because the drop rate or even even if the drop rate is high, I mean it's it's tough to tell people spend millions of SP to train this extra skill to maybe use your suit. So I can see you're getting that. Well, here's here's the problem with the drop rate. So it's, it's no different than the weapons. Like for example, I've never put one single ounce of SP into sniper rifles, but I've got like 57, like 55 or 57 uh, thales that I can do nothing with. Uh, So what if, what if let's say the drop rate was, I don't know, like 10%, like whatever it is, like, like 10 out of every 100 things you get is, uh, would be an, like a pirate drop suit. But depending on how many pirate drop suits styles that you have, really the chance of getting the one that you at least can even use would be even significantly lower than that. Well, that's why we need a player market, but you know, (laughs) yeah, but, and that's, that's the other point is like, because you don't have a player market, I think that you can't limit the access. I think it needs to be access on demand. Like I said, paying for it, Roger, fine. I don't, I mean, fuck make make the drop suits like double the cost of the proto suits for all I care. But that, that's my point is that you, you should have access on the player's terms, or at least the player should be able to, to control or affect their access directly. And, and random drops is just, it's not a really good way to do that. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. Cause, I mean, especially when the requirements for the suit is, it has to be uh, the right frame of suit, the right uh, class of suit, and then it has to be the right combination of races that you've trained. That's a lot of variables that have to line up to actually get the thing you want, opposed to a, a sniper rifle, which is just trained sniper rifles, and you've got it. So I, I can I can see where you're coming from. That's actually a really valid point that they should be more accessible on demand and not so much just random drops. Because chances are, ninety percent of what you get won't be the stuff you have trained, which is kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, and like I said, it, that's one of the little things that um, I think you could easily add into the uh, add into the mix. 
I like a lot of the things that they're doing with opening the different BPOs up and having different different options. I thought the Apex drop suits were a great idea. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of how they're how some of them are fit to be honest with you, uh, but I, I like them. They're pretty good. I mean, it's better than you know like the little Raven BPO or whatever that I used to have or the Dren BPOs. Um, so they're pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of them, actually. I do like the idea of adding different styles of content utilizing the drop suits that we already have. And, and the reality is, you know, anything with a drop suit for the most part is a paint job and numbers in a spreadsheet, you know. So those seem to me like almost like low-hanging fruit that can be addressed and, and added into the game uh, with you know, with some effort, but probably less effort than a lot of other things that people are asking for. Well, especially if you take existing drop suit layouts in terms of slots and, and uh, resources, and you, you basically keep them pretty much the same, at that point the, the pirate design comes down to, to pretty much bonuses and picking what color you want it to be. So, I mean, the, in that regard, it's, it's really not a lot of effort to implement other than, like you said, in, entering values into a spreadsheet, as long as the design part is done properly. And in that, it's mostly bonuses. And I mean, the idea is that it's not necessarily a straight upgrade. It's more of a side grade to a, a kind of a, a tweak on the specialization, mm-hmm. which is... Well, I think you need to be careful of that. It's like, I mean, well, it depends if you're looking at it from an EVE perspective or from a like a purely, like, like taking dust sort of as an aside. Because the reality is that, you know, a pirate frigate is generally going to be better than a T1 frigate in any stretch of the imagination. A pirate frigate is often going to be, um, I, I would say, somewhere close to a side grade, but a little bit of an upgrade over a T2 frigate as well, uh, just because the SP investment in there warrants it based on the bonuses you get. So I, it's not a pure side grade. There is definitely some vertical movement into it, which then goes to, it. that's, that's what actually makes it beyond level five content, in, at least in my yeah. mind. Yeah, and that's that's fair. I mean, obviously, I, I'm not a fan of, of balancing with ISK cost, but I mean, if, if it's a slight upgrade and it costs a little bit more, I think that's that's fair enough. I mean, it's not a, a massive jump, but it, it does kind of inherently have some advantage. I think that's fine, as long as it's not like a, you know, once you get your pirate suit, don't ever bother using a standard suit again, because, or, you know, don't ever bother using your, your normal T2, we'll call them suits again. I mean, you don't want to have a situation where you make one obsolete, but... I think it's definitely fine if it's a it's a slight upgrade. Yeah, no, and like I said, it's one of the things that just adds some um, like adds different components to the game, which I think is is a net positive by anybody's stretch right now. Well, and again, it, it gives people the option to have a, a slightly different uh, play style where you can have you know a, an assault suit that's, that's moving a bit faster than what you would expect normal assault suit to move, just because of its Mimitar bonus associated with it. Yeah, and that's and just you know what I've done is like I collaborated with Pokey on uh, kind of a variety of different design options, taking taking sort of uh, an homage to the you know the ships in Eve that are that are laid out. So for example, um, you might have a uh, an Angel Cartel or a Serpentis uh, assault suit that would move very fast. It would basically be best in class speed. Uh, but it would be a little thinner tank and it'd probably be able to apply a lot of DPS, but you would lower it. You would actually nerf the amount of ammo that it could carry. There's things like that you could do that would provide, um, 
you know, different capabilities um, and different options, different technical options to folks. Um, so, and that's okay. And, and, and for the record, pirate suits aren't all about buffs. And, and often what you find is that they actually nerf or they uh, degrade certain components uh, on them to sort of even them out so they're not totally OP. Well, which is the definition of a side grade is that you're gaining something for the cost of something else. I mean, if those values are equal, I mean, that's, that's like, that kind of comes down to, like you said, it's a slight upgrade. I mean, so that's, that's all in the balance right there. But I mean, overall it's, it's a specialization in a different sort of direction, but still within the class. Yeah, no, I can buy that. Uh, let's see what else we had. Uh, um, th- those are really the big topics that I had kind of on the agenda tonight. You guys have anything else you want to you want to tee up? Frame post. Which one? Help me out. I couldn't hear you. The frame post. The fast oh, one. Uh, well, I don't know really what to say about it. It's like there. I mean, long story short, is there's not going to be any any you know formal mention of dust or legion at. At FanFest, uh, you know, frankly, I didn't really think that they were well, going no mention. to mention any. No announcement. Um, no, I think pretty sure you said no, no, no mention. Much like they Vegas, very, they no, they very specifically said there would be roundtables. That's not mentioned, dude. That's shit off to the side that nobody sees. Yeah, if it's not publicized, it's not really anything people are going to care about because then it's on the players to. Transfer information back to the community. That's that's on the players. Then most so. of the information that was from last year was in roundtables. And how well did it and go? That went so year? well. Yeah, that was not good. <laughs> I mean, if it, if it was televised, sure. I know. I mean, like the information that wasn't terrible was in roundtables. Well, okay, but or the fact that it, it was so messy is not good. I mean, if they if yeah. they televised the roundtables, sure, cool. That'd be kind of cool. Well, I mean, like the I I think for one is like a lot of stuff gets uh, taped and posted on YouTube, but isn't streamed. Um, and I would like to hope that at the very least that it makes it to YouTube. Hope is um, a method. No, well, it needs to I mean, be the official it's, thing. It, it's kind of a bit early to say hope, um, or to confirm more than hope. Um, but I mean, like there there is an actual schedule that they have to try and cram all the things they want to stream into. Um, and some some roundtables get streamed and some do not. Um, but and there will be both Rouge and Rotati there. Um, but there won't be a keynote. Is is really the big difference. Um, and I think and and I think it's actually a very good thing um, because I, I think that we've had two really terrible keynotes. I would I would like to, for the record, point out. Uh, this thing I refer to as Exhibit A, which is the library of this podcast, where you have, in conjunction with Pokey and I, on many occasions, said how much it would be really cool if CCP would talk more. I agree. And but not you now keynote. say, no, I agree. They need to talk not more. Good. Let uh, they, they need, just, they need to talk see. more, but not at a keynote. <laughs> well, how? Okay, sure. I, I guess I'll, I'll hop in my usual overly optimistic self and say that just because there's not an announcement at FanFest doesn't mean that there won't be an announcement before or after or in whatever time frame. So, I mean, that's that's one thing to consider. I mean, they, they said last year that the intention initially was to announce Legion before FanFest, but because marketing, it got pushed back. And I think this is them trying to go back and go, no, really, we aren't going to 
screw you guys and announce weird shit at FanFest. We're going to tell you ahead of time. So in that regard, it's a good thing, assuming that something is actually announced, which I am very hopeful for prior yeah, to, I'm, obviously. I'm, I'm totally on board with them announcing that Dust is going to the fucking PS Vita any day now. I, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Jason, everyone knows yeah. Sony doesn't support the Vita, so it's pointless to even think anything will ever be on Vita. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Nobody, nobody loves the PS Vita. I'm sorry. No, I mean, but I think I think the point is that, um, I, and and I will I will say it, you know, because I've got two CPM members in here. Well, really, only you know one that's teed up on it is it. You know, I, again, to a degree, it is coming true that the CPM is as much as we would like them to be the direct representatives of the players and holding our interest to CCP, they are left holding the bag by CCP to represent the company to the players. Um, because for an errant post that CCP frame put out, you know, again, there was the way that came out, they could have easily taken 30 minutes and said something dramatically, you know, not dramatically different, but noticeably different. And frankly, something of that import based on how things worked out last year, if CCP Rouge is the one that says, here's, hey, here's what we're not going to do at FanFest. Here's why. And here's, here's a teaser of some of the things that we want to talk to you about over the next month or two. If that's about two paragraphs, maybe three, if you really have a like really snazzy intro that could have been typed up in maybe 20 to 30 minutes, uh, and it would have said basically what Frame did, but diffused any concern uh, because right now nothing coming out of, out of CCP. You know, when they don't communicate, it's sketchy. When they do communicate, it's usually in a very inconsistent fashion. So, like I, I frankly, I didn't think they were going to say shit about Legion at uh, at FanFest. Like to be honest with you, I, I didn't think they were going to say anything about it. Uh, what, but was but the fact that they kind of um, after the E Vegas sort of like that debacle of that, you know, ridiculous video that made the rounds, it's basically like, we're not going to give you a seat at the table at our company's flagship event. Um, I don't think anybody's asking necessarily for a huge keynote, but something that would actually be broadcast during the stream where they're like, so, Hey, here's the 30 minute, you know, you know, presentation on dust slash Legion or whatever, you know, so, I think that would be a fair thing to ask for. The question I'm asking is, you, you you say like, oh, well, this game doesn't deserve a seat at the table. How much, it, it, that's as if it's like CCP as a whole saying that. Whereas I, I, I would argue that uh, CCP, that we that we may not want a seat at the table. <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying right now. I'm I'm saying that that uh, I don't think we need a bigger a big marketing brouhaha to do. I don't I don't think anybody said anything about a marketing brouhaha. Uh, you're asking actually, about a keynote and a statement no, from Rouge. No, I'm not. I did not. And I very specifically said not a keynote. So I appreciate you listening yet again. So what I'm getting at is I think that just something that was on on any one of the the little twenty or thirty minute uh, broadcast twitches would be nice, where they would talk a little bit about here's what our plans are for the game, sort of like a, like some sort of general vision, uh, or at least this is what we've done so far. We look forward to keep continuing to work with you. It could be anything, but fine, whatever. Uh, but you can't have it two ways. And I'm talking to you very specifically, Zell. You can't say their communication sucks, and then when they don't communicate, you say, oh, but that doesn't suck. That's actually a good thing that they're not communicating. That's ridiculous. I'm very specifically saying i'm glad we're not getting a keynote that we're, we're not holding 
because if you have a keynote, you are distinctly setting that if you look at what ha what's announced in Eve between you know in the three months prior to FanFest, it's non-existent. They That's, don't announce that stuff. That is totally not accurate. They totally not, not accurate. They do not announce stuff that they can hold for a keynote for a big to do at FanFest. That that is absolutely yeah, but I don't think you have a good idea of how many things they have been announcing prior to significant public statements right now. Like the, like the amount of information flow coming out of the Eve side of CCP is as high as I have ever seen uh, in, in all, all of the time I've been playing that game, like either off or on, you know, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like they are at a dramatically different pace in terms of the consistency and quality of communication coming out of Eve and the Eve side specifically. And they have been for quite some time now. I, I think, Zell, I think, I think one of the, the pitfalls of, of being on CPM is that it's easy to forget that we know a hell of a lot less than you do. And when you don't know anything, context is everything. So when Frame comes out and says, there's not going to be a keynote at FanFest, it's, it's a big deal because most people don't see the context. They don't know what's going on all they see is we're not telling you anything on the big you know on the on the big announcement where we announce everything we're not going to tell you anything that's all they see and if even if you know what's going on what's going to be announced when it's going to be announced etc no one else does so when they perceive that as ccp doesn't give a shit about us and they don't want to talk to us that's really understandable and i i fear that, that it's easy for people in the cpm to forget that we don't know as much as they do. And it's it's not that we're misinterpreting things, it's that we just simply don't know because the context is so screwed up. And I think it's kind of what, what Jason's getting at is that, you know, when we know so little, it's very important to give context to what you're saying, not just spit out a little blurb that sure makes sense to someone who knows what's going on, but it's actually a pretty big deal. And it's, it can be quite upsetting for a lot of people who don't know what's going on, you know? I'll say this real quick. You know how like BlizzCon only happens when Blizzard has something to announce. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, but yeah, I'll totally go with it. Sure. They skip uh, a lot Blizzard of. Blizzard has basically said that we will never hold a BlizzCon unless we got something big to announce. Okay. No. All right. That's they that's don't have one every year just because. Yeah. No, I got you. Well, this is a very similar situation for us and us and FanFest is that we don't have anything that big to announce at FanFest this year. And there's really no reason for us to go to make a big show of it. This is most likely going to be E-Valkyrie's FanFest, if anything. And I know it's upsetting for everyone who isn't in the CPM, who knows what's going on but and what what is what information is being disseminated. And we keep harping on it to CCP, and CCP knows the issue. They know what's going on, and that's one of the reasons why there is that post from Frame. It's basically to help people who are because going to FanFest takes a while planning. I mean, some people have been booking a year ahead of time. And this is just to help those people who, are, who might have been trying to go for FanFest or Dust information or Legion information that maybe they should probably change their plans if they need to. But I, I think you've, you've proven Jay's point that what you just said, if they had added something along that lines and what you just said to that post, it would have changed the context completely and the perception would be totally different. I know, but things with marketing does not go as fast or as easy or as simple as 
as you would hope it would have gone in a normal world. Yeah, but I think you're. I think you're. You, you don't misunderstand me. I the fact that they posted it, I think, was a huge positive. Okay. Uh, now again, based on how the last fan fest went, and I would also like to point out to our CPM zero, you know, former member that's now CPM one Iron Roll Saver that the amount of time that everybody spent talking about how much Rouge was going to be working with the community, how fired up he was to communicate with the community and all that other good stuff. And you could like count the number of, of like actual public communications in the form of text posts that he's made to the community, you know, on two hands, maybe with a finger or two extra, like since he's been on board. So I think given the context of how he came on board, the lead up to FanFest and how FanFest went, it would have been a totally, uh, and I, I think if he had made the post and said, "Here's here's why we're not going to do this," but here's some things that we that we're going to talk to you about in the future, you know, basically not much more information that is already out there in the feedback threads that Rattati has already posted, you know, had he done that, like a little bit of the why, because that's the big thing that that nobody gets on the dust side is the why. A lot of it is just. It's it's totally in the dark. It's totally. But I mean, you you are ridiculous saying that the executive producer who does not post often making a a post should be no big deal. Uh, well, number one, he he should for something like this, based on how it went last year and the fact that he was the center of that storm. Yeah, I kind of think so. I mean, regardless of what's going on in terms of inner politics and, and reasons why or why they aren't posting, and the fact of the matter is that when you make a post like that without the context and people get upset, you need to be very aware of why they're getting upset. Because, I mean, I, th- I think that the backlash is like, oh, well, they're just, you know, misinterpreting. And it's like, well, of course they are well, because they don't know anything. <laughs> well, there's an expectation that should never have, have occurred, to be honest. Like, and what what it, was that expectation? It, well, but why is it, that, though? It, there were... The the thing is, is it's the same thing that happened at Eve Vegas, where everyone is, well, you know, they're they're certainly silent because you know they're going to announce something at Eve Vegas. So so Eve Vegas, and certainly mm, they're, they're going to announce something that. at FanFest. I was I heard it a lot. It's like, well, they've they've got to say something at Vegas. They absolutely have to say something at Vegas. No, they don't, and they're probably not going to. It's an it's an expectation situation, and it is better to remove the erroneous expectation than that there will be any communication. Them. Absolutely, I think that's a so totally plausible idea. I mean, but I mean, uh, anecdotally, I, I would tell you most people didn't think there was going to be any discussion about anything at Vegas reference Legion or Dust. To be honest with you, I, I don't, I, I don't. I'm not, I wasn't tracking anybody, you know, like I said, anecdotally that there's thinking there was going to be some like incredibly high speed announcement or really anything formal at all going on at E-Vegas. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that when you announce something that you need to explain why you're announcing, like, like what you're saying makes perfect sense. I think it's great that he came out and said that because it does kind of stem that expectation. But the fact of the matter is that people perceive it a certain way unless you tell them this is why we're telling you this i mean i know it may seem trivial or childish but the fact of the matter is is that you know pr within ccp is pretty damn awful especially you have a dev doing it so the fact of the matter is they need to come out and say this is why we're telling you because we don't want to get your hopes up for vague for uh fan fest you know but you know we're we're still working on the game. It's not like it's you know we're 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 giving up on or anything. We just don't have anything that's going to be available at that date. 
And something as simple as that would have been huge. And so the fact that people are upset is perfectly understandable. And I think it could have been avoided. And I think that's that's kind of my, my whole point is that, and, and Jay's as well, if, correct me if I'm wrong, that it would not have taken much more effort to, to add a little extra blurb on there to say, this is why we're saying this. So don't be upset. Yeah, uh, I think that's key. No, I, I think you're I think you're spot on, Pokey. And like I said, I, I think it's a positive that, that that they made an announcement, but it's but again, like in so many cases, which again we've heard you guys also say is it's how they do it. You know, the execution leaves something lacking is is really the deal. And, and I would I would like to point out that saying that hey, we don't want them to make an announcement because it'll be bad or they suck at it. No, that's not that that's not a useful paradigm either. Like it's not about needing some huge marketing brouhaha. It's literally just, hey, like you need to describe what the communication you know plan is to, or at least what the communication pathway is to the player base. It's what we've always been saying. Um, that that's literally all it is. So like like the net the net effect is, like I don't think that they're shocking anybody that they're not saying anything because I think by this time a lot of people frankly had become bitter and they were assuming there would be nothing mentioned and what they're gonna what they think is happening because nothing's gonna be mentioned at FanFest, which is the company's flagship social event for all things CCP, is that Legion's dead. But I think you guys would very quickly tell me that no, it's not. So I, I think if it was handled in a little bit different way, it was almost like inoculating. You, you could have inoculated the player base to, uh, you know, certain you know, negative tinfoil, you know, and, and negative, you know, inf- you know, influence or information uh, activities inside the community. You could have quickly inoculated people to that and frankly, probably could have turned it into a true positive. So just, just a thought. Well, I'm not arguing for. I'm not arguing against that. that it could. It was. You could have said it as a missed opportunity to try to turn things around. But the, like I said, marketing is not as fast as, uh, not as fast in messaging as you would think they would be. And then there are just sometimes when things are considered a higher priority than other things. I mean, I wish I can say all the things I actually know. But thing is, he's, if he wants to do it, I'm going to let him do it. Yeah, no, and I and I would tell you that I have a lot of empathy uh, to a degree for the CPM in that, and, you know, I've said it many times, and I'm me personally, I think it's actually coming to fruition is that you guys are the de facto face of CCP, whether you that's not what you got voted in to be, and that will put you in direct odds with the player community because the the communication is so poor and so anemic coming out generally about. Um, you know what's happening beyond one month from now when the next hot fix hot fix comes in like the cpm is literally they are the only face that's uh, or voice that has any sort of legitimacy that's that's speaking about it so that strikes me as a, again a very unhealthy thing uh and i think most of it like we talked about this when i think we had the majority of the cpm on in one of the the earlier shows you know, gosh, maybe like 20 shows ago. And we mentioned this and, and I think to a man, all of you agreed that that would be not a position you'd want to be in, but kind of that's where you're at right now. Oh, there's a lot of things we're not supposed to be doing and we're still doing them. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Like I said, I have a certain amount of empathy for that. Uh, it's just one of those where I think it creates unnecessary stress and conflict uh, within the player base. So, and, and generally through no fault of yours. So, okay. Well on that, we've been going at it for quite a while, guys. Uh, what I would like to do is kind of, you know, wrap this up if that's okay. 
Um, unless there's anybody had any parting shots going around I, the horn? I was just going to note, um, uh, do keep an eye out. I think Frame said there should be a dev blog next week, so. Okay. I'll say that. Cool. All right. Well, that's good. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Pokey. Oh, no, I was just saying, I know he had hinted at it. I wasn't aware that he had flat out said something, so that's pretty I, cool. I, I, I th- there was a blue post that said dev, dev blog next week. And, and where it was wasn't that at? Like a, it was just in some thread. I don't, I don't, it was just there. And, and uh, yeah. you know. They love hiding important information in threads that I may or may not read. That's... There's this wonderful tab called dev post right at the top. I, I guess that's fair, but. Uh, Go look at the. I would say that the, that generally it, it's a it's another symptom of a uh, a probably less than you know less than optimal communication plan. But if he posted it, great. You know, like I said, I, I totally didn't. You'd mentioned that before, Zell, and I, I was like, where the hell are you talking about? Because I, I totally didn't I didn't see that announcement anywhere. So I started, I actually looked under the announcements page. And I just tried to find it. No, like, it's not. They don't it. announce a dev blog is coming, but someone might mention it. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's that's the thing. I think there just needs to be a little bit more organized. If they're if they're going to only talk infrequently, I would rather it be somewhat more decipherable than like you know fucking Yoda. So that that's just you know sort of my beef about it. But anyway, uh, that's a good catch that there is a dev blog. You said Monday? Is that what you said Monday? No, no, just sometime or just next week. Okay, okay, all right, that's cool. Um, all right. Well, I, I think I've I've got no saved rounds on this one, uh, so I reckon we go ahead and move into shout-outs. What do you think, guys? Sounds uh, good. Just, I like to say I'm glad this week's finally over. I've got so many things done for the CPM, and it's like, ah, oh, now I can get back to my personal projects again. Awesome. So, it sounds like Iron Wolf is giving a shout-out to time management. Who will? <laughs> uh, all right, so any shout-outs to Iron Wolf, seriously? Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the community for keeping me motivated and getting these things done as hard as, hard as it sometimes they get or how, how much uh, workload there is. And I'd like to give a shout out to CPM for all the shit they give me. Uh, just kidding. And um, shout out to the d- developer development team and all the un- unsung, unsung heroes that have been working with Toddy. I wish I wish I could speak in English and um, would actually would want recognition, but uh, Chinese culture makes it slightly hard for that to do. We saw one, one made a post. One made a post. I like to see yeah. the other three post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Zell, shout outs? Uh, I'm, I, shout outs. I, I really should think of these ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, we only do them, like, every week. Every week. Um, hmm. Every week. We do these every week? Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Star Citizen for proving that you can, in fact, sell virtual, virtual starships. That's virtual starships that don't exist yet for $2,500 a pop. And there are people who will buy them. Yep. Codename Fleetfoot. Um, It's a good flytrap for suckers. All right. Uh, let's see. Pokey? Pokey, any shout-outs? Oh, sorry. My, my comms keep cutting out, so I, I miss half what people are saying. Uh, but yeah, shout-out to everyone here today for beating the hell out of each other. It was very enjoyable, <laughs> despite hopefully no hard feelings. Um, and then a shout-out to Cross the Two, actually. He's been keeping me pretty busy lately with... Uh, uh, design stuff and just you know bouncing ideas off of me and stuff so it's it's been fun and it's it's a good distraction from work when I don't want to pay attention so shout out to Cross uh, other than that uh, shout out to my, my corp OSG Planetary Operations as usual you guys are awesome uh, love playing with you 
Awesome. And let's see, shout outs for me. Uh, shout out to the guys in OSG, to me, to my desk corp and big shout outs to, uh, the guys in agony unleashed, um, the guys I fly with on the U side. It's an incredibly, uh, great group of guys, uh, really, really solid group of fellows and probably no finer small game PVP than you'll, than you got in the game right now. Uh, it's, it's really a joy to fly with them and you, you really have to work your butt off just to keep up. And I, I think that's a great thing. So, uh, shout out to both of those groups. Uh, I would like to give a shout out. I know this will be a shocker to the actual CC, CPM, at least those that are uh, that are working and putting out the effort. Um, you know, I'll reserve judgment on all of them, but but I think it's pretty obvious when you have some people that are actually putting a lot of time and effort in for the community. They catch a lot of slings and arrows, and it, their work is appreciated. Um, often not understood, or at least misunderstood. And in many times cross purposes to at least 49% of the, the, the population's desires, but their intent and their heart is in the right place. So I do appreciate the work and the effort that they're putting, uh, putting out in what is essentially being unpaid interns slash PR people for, uh, for CCP. And with that, guys, I think we're going to bring this episode to a close. We really appreciate everybody joining us. The, like the three of you out there listening to us on our somewhat unscheduled live stream tonight uh but uh we, do we love appreciate, you people yeah we do appreciate all the uh, uh the actual downloads you guys are great and uh we do appreciate the feedback because i know we've been getting quite a bit over the last week or two so uh please keep that coming in and if you're ever interested in being on the show please contact uh Sryzel, pookie draven or myself jason larison or if you have any critical topics you want to put up please do that too and and you're more than willing to come on here venture peace and you know feel free to get smacked down for it but that's okay uh just like the forums we just try to be maybe a little nicer to each other because you can actually get context over with uh with voice comms not so much text so we appreciate it and guys thank you very much and we'll see you next week